From the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, this is the Entree Leadership Podcast, where I take calls from leaders like you about what it takes to win at any stage of business. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host with over 30 years of experience in the trenches. I'm down in there myself every day, just a shoveling like you, baby. We're here to help you, and we're going to lead right alongside you and help you get to the next level. We love small business people, and we want you to succeed. We want you to prosper. We want you to become so successful that it sickens your friends. <laughs> oh, leave us a number and a phone message if you want to at entreleadership.com slash ask. Put in what you want to talk about. We'll call you and get you all set up or leave a voicemail at 844-944-1070 and we will put you on here and we'll talk. Nick is in Chicago. Hi, Nick. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Dave, it's an honor to talk to you today. You too, man. What's up? Yeah. So um, I work for a digital marketing company in Chicago. We have about 50 employees. Our revenue last year was $12 million. Um, and we it was a startup for 10 years, um, 10 years old company, and just recently have started the process of putting some systems and processes in place. As you know, startups, things People wear lots of hats. You do things quickly, and uh, the processes follow sometimes later down the road. And I am in the process of, in my role, it's my job to be putting those systems and processes in place. And there is things that my CEO would like to see us do um, that other members of leadership are resistant against, in particular, uh, my direct report, the COO. So my question is, how can I implement changes that my CEO desires uh, when other leadership is resistant. That's your CEO's job. His okay. job is to run block for you. Okay. In other, okay, let me give you an example. All right, we went through here about, at Ramsey, I guess about four years ago, and we realized a lot of our branding across the different brands, the different things we do, from high school curriculum to entree leadership to uh the Ramsey show to financial peace university, all these different brands we have were not visually connected. The creative was all over the freaking map. You follow me? Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. what we were losing as a result of that was people doing entree leadership had no idea that the same company was doing financial peace university because there was no visual connectivity. There was no, you know, process there because the, the creative was uh, all over the map. Other things were all over the map too, but the creative was one of the things. And so yeah. we decided in the C-suite and uh, among myself and the leadership team, the senior leadership team, that we were going to, within a reasonable period of time, put a series of governance boundaries in place and get these different areas to get their creative, their logos, their visual branding to conform to where the consumer on the other end of it could recognize that they were tied to each other. That was really not an option. Yeah. Leadership decided we're going to do that. Your CEO has decided some of these processes are going to come into play. It's not an option. We're doing this. There's a good reason to do it. Now, then what we did was, each of the areas had their own create have their own creative teams, and we sat down and told them why. You know, we gave good reasons. We persuaded yeah. them as to the intelligence, the wisdom of the idea, because it was going to be pain because we're going to throw some of their stuff in the trash and have to start again, right? 
and they're going to have to yeah. do, do some work that they wouldn't otherwise have to do to recreate some of the visual uh, pieces, some of the marketing pieces or whatever, some of the stuff you're seeing on the website, all that kind of stuff had to be reworked to fit the new governance process. And we were not, we, nothing was on fire. We didn't have to do it in 24 minutes, but we also weren't going to just go along and not do it. And so basically what that means is in your situation, the way that sounded was, A, leadership sat down with the players and explained to them why it was important mm-hmm. and that why it was wise. That's your CEO's job. And that Nick is going to come in and help you guys do this. And we are going to do it. So there's two things coming from that. One is we're explaining to you why. It's a wise business move. We're all going to be on the same page. We're going to be aligned on this issue. And it's mandatory. We're freaking doing it. Yeah. Yep. And so then I don't, then the, you know, the person that the creative person uh, that runs into one of the, the creative leadership team that member that runs into a creative whose feelings got hurt because we're throwing his stuff in the trash and we have to do it over because it has to be in a line to to this stuff, he can just point it back at me and go, uh, yeah, we're doing this because Dave thinks it's wise. And actually all the rest of us think it's wise and it's necessary for us to go to the next level with this company. And, um, sorry for your feelings being hurt, but we're doing it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and so, yep. but that's me running blocker in two ways. One is I'm selling the team on the vision of the changes because change is always painful. Yep. And I got to sell the team on the changes. And then I got to put my foot down and go, oh, and by the way, boys and girls, we're doing it. Yeah. So, uh, and, and so don't, don't blame Nick. I'm, I mean, Nick's not a hired gun. He's just in here to help you get the work done that I'm telling you you're by God going to do, you know, I didn't say that that way, but pretty much that message was delivered. Yeah, Absolutely. It's not unreasonable. I'm not just thumping people. That's not the point. There's a reason, a logical, wise process, business reason that we're going to change this process. You know, we're putting all this stuff on paper. We're instead, we're going to digitize it and quit putting crap on paper. Paper storage is nuts. You know, we used to yep. have these things called filing cabinets <laughs> back in the day. You know, I mean, we don't do oh, yeah. that anymore. Why? Because somebody like me in leadership said, we're not doing it anymore. Well, I like paper. Well, I, I'm, I'm sorry. We're not going to have much of it around. So you're going to be miserable because we're getting rid of it. And I'm running blocker for the guy who's trying to do the process. Now, what's happened here is the COO, your boss, has not got buy-in from his CEO yet. Yep. He doesn't believe it's necessary to do the thing you're talking about yet. Yeah. And he's responsible for, he has been, he's been with the company since it started and created a lot of the broken systems. The system, exactly. The broken systems. Yeah. So he, his perspective is, well, the CEO isn't in the day-to-day trenches, seeing what it really takes to do the work that we do. Yeah. Um, it's not going to also, change until the CEO sits with him and makes the sale. He's got to, yeah. he's got to sell his old friend on, Hey dude, you're protecting sacred cows. We hear them mooing in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to put a bullet in these things and have them for lunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Seriously. There are sacred cows everywhere running up and down the hallway. That's what this is. This is exactly what happens at this trailblazer stage. That y'all are at. You're definitely in the trailblazer stage. 
You got okay. a great company, it sounds like. But we've been through the, it's a growing pain is what it is. To move from the the old well we we've always done it that way. Why? We don't know, but we've always done it that way. To move out of the sacred cow into a new process is painful. And it's really painful for the older we are. Like for me, just giving me a new phone pisses me off for about three weeks because I can't work the stupid thing. I don't like change, you know, but I know the new phone will do things that the old phone wouldn't do because I'd still be carrying around a brick from Motorola if it was up to me, you know, because I, I resist this stuff. But then when I finally do it, I'm glad I did as a leader, as a human, but man, killing the sacred cows is hard. And so this guy's got, he's got a little bit of pride tied up in the, in, in the stupid ways we used to do things when we were small and primitive. Yep, absolutely. And it feels like this is the, what the bottleneck that's keeping us from taking that next step in growth that we need yeah. is getting these systems in place. So, I, you know, depending on how the politics go down in your place, you either can sit with the CEO or you can sit with the CEO and the COO for a cup of coffee and go, all right, I need marching orders from you two. Because, I, yeah. you know, CEO, I hear you saying this, and COO, I respect your heritage here, and you were here back in the day when you, when there wasn't nothing but, but duct tape and bailing wire, and, and you're the guy, So and I hear you seeing something different, so I can't do both because they're incongruent. So you guys sit here right now, and let's put our heads together, and let's get aligned on what your marching orders are. I will do whatever you two tell me to do. But put it out there instead of these yeah. tight guys triangulating off of you. Yeah, no, I like that. I think that seems like a really good. Uh, if the step. COO has enough um, backbone and enough uh, humility that he could sit and have that conversation that I just said with the CEO and you, that's the most healthy way to approach this. If he's yeah. unhealthy and toxic, the only way you're left with is to just sit down with the CEO and have the same thing and say, I want to do this. I'm having trouble, and I don't, I'm not here to tattle. I'm just asking for direction from you on how I can best lead through this. Yeah. And basically, you are tattling. Yeah. But that's okay. I mean, you're doing it up. You're speaking up, not out. You're not out in the coffee break room going, these two bozos can't get their act together, and I can't do my job. Now, that's gossip, and I'd fire your butt for that. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. So yeah, you're, you're, yeah. you're in a good place, Nick, and you're obviously a mature leader, emotionally mature. I don't know how old you are, but I mean, you're, you're obviously, you know, the, the way you're asking this question is a very healthy process of how to navigate this stuff. And so in our place, I would hope that they would sit down with me and the COO and go, Hey guys, I don't know what to do here. Cause I'm kind of getting this message and this message and either I'm confused or we're not aligned. So what is it? You guys just get to get, let's talk it through right now. So y'all can give me marching orders. Cause I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I thought I heard you saying this. And then I heard you say this. So I'm confused. Help me with this. Let's get aligned. And that's what I would hope we could do. And then me and the COO may have an argument in front of you here at that point. We may argue about it because we argue about everything here. It's part of how we process stuff. We're hillbillies. We fight first, ask questions second. So that's okay. It's just a way, it's a decision-making paradigm for us and it works good. Hey, sounds like you guys got a great company, Nick, and you, what you're experiencing are very normal growing pains. 
when you're at the trailblazer stage, shooting the sacred cows in the hallway is a big deal. And it's hard to do because some of us take great pride in the old ways. You don't want to abandon the old ways, but yeah, you really need to in a lot of cases. So we don't worship uh, processes here. People who worship processes are bureaucrats. We work on principles. Principles don't need to change. Processes have to change all the time because there's a new technology every 26 seconds, and you've got to change with it. There's no way around it. Sounds like you guys got a great thing going. Well done, well done, well done. Love it. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Trainual. Even when you're great at running the day-to-day, a lot of leaders struggle to delegate. But delegation is a critical leadership skill, and empowering your team by building that skill just takes having the right system in place. Well, Trainual is that system, and it's a game-changer. Trainual is an easy-to-use app that helps document and organize everything about your company in one place. Clear outlines for every role and responsibility, step-by-step training for all your SOPs and employee handbook content, an org chart and directory. You can build accountability tests. Employees can even use Trainual's powerful search to answer their own questions. Companies using Trainual are cutting training time and related costs by up to 75%. Get started with over 300 templates and their world-class support. It's time to get your entire team playing from the same playbook. Visit trainual.com slash entree today for a demo and get 15% off your first year with code entree15. That's 15% off at T-R-A-I-N-U-A-L dot com slash entree with code E-N-T-R-E-1-5. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. David is in Fort Worth, Texas. Hi, David. How can we help? Hi. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I am working, I'm third generation family business. Um, we've got about 35 employees or so, uh, oil and gas related. We did 30 ish million last year. Um, but what I'm struggling with is about five years ago or so when I started, uh, we got into a lot of debt, uh, about 12 ish million dollars worth. Um, and it's just, I'm struggling really bad with burnout. It's been five years of fighting, and this is all all I know, and it's really beating me up. So um, if you have any words of wisdom or advice or anything like that. so hmm. I'm sorry. That's harsh. Y'all got a great top line. Is your bottom line not good? Um. It's, it's so, so, um, a lot of the frustrations is our limitations with everything that's going back to pay back, uh, the debts that we're in it's, we're having to operate like a $30 million a year company with toothpicks <laughs> every week. It's every, every day. You so, know, so you're just, just clearing the debt, but how much debt have you clear? Are you clearing in a year? Uh, about 1.5. So this, so, this $30 million doesn't have a lot of margin then? Not nearly enough. <laughs> I mean, you only not got 30 nearly. employees. It's not going to payroll. What's it going to? 
Um, it's, it's a lot of junk and that's what, unfortunately I'm not involved enough in my opinion, in the numbers and stuff. I do mostly operations. It's just what I see. Um, for what so if you're doing, not involved in the numbers, how are you carrying the stress for the numbers? Just cause I'm the only person that my dad talks to about it. <laughs> so I get to hear about it. He, he hadn't, he's worked for free for five years now. It's just hard to watch. So, okay. Um, fatigue and burnout are manifest themselves exactly the same way in our bodies. Uh, burnout manifests itself differently in our emotions than fatigue. Fatigue is, I've worked my butt off, and I've been cutting grass all day long, and I stand in the front yard, and the front yard looks awesome. And the bushes are trimmed, and my wife is happy, and the neighbors in the HOA are thrilled, right? I'm tired, but I accomplished something that's visible. I got traction, and I'm tired, okay? Like when we do an entree leadership event that's three days long, I typically am in the saddle 16 hours a day. Uh, I'm, you know, doing a breakfast with people. Uh, we've got lunch meetings. I'm on stage. We've got a platinum event that night, you know, and I'm pretty much in the saddle 16 hours a day for three days. At the end of those events, and they're world-class events, and I'm really happy with the quality we put out. At the end of those events, I'm exhausted, and it feels awesome. That's different than I'm exhausted and I have no hope because there's no traction. Everything I touched turned to manure. That equates to burnout. But it's the exact same feeling. It, it, the only difference is the emotional side of it. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Yeah. So your burnout has to do with the fact that you don't feel like you're getting traction or your dad is getting traction. This doesn't feel like it has a positive future. It starts to not have hope on it. Am I wrong? I would say that's accurate. Yes, sir. Yeah. So that's when we sit down with dad and say, okay, dad, this is driving me crazy because I'm watching you suffer and I can't tell why we're suffering. Because if I'm going to suffer, I want to get something for it. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna go to the gym and work out, which I hate, I at least want to feel better and lose weight. I don't want to get on the scales and be up five pounds, right? If I'm right. gonna suffer, I wanna see some traction. So dad, we can't keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. That's the definition of insanity. I want to help you. I'm going to come alongside you, and you and I need to look at these numbers, and we need to figure out how we can make more progress faster because you do not have too many employees. You have a great revenue. Gross revenue per employee is outstanding. I wish I had what you've got. I don't have anywhere near what you've got. Revenue per employee. So your payroll is not eating up your profit. I can tell that from that ratio. So I don't know where your profit's going, and you don't either. Yeah. Okay, so I want to know if I'm you. 
This is the answer to how you get some energy back. Because you can recover from fatigue pretty quickly and get back after it two days later if you're getting traction and there's hope and sunshine, if the light at the end of the tunnel is not an oncoming train. <laughs> you know, like, let me give you an example. Let's say you and your dad dug into the numbers and you said, okay, we sell this piece of equipment, we stop doing this service, we hone in, and I see $5 million there. That gets us out of debt in two and a half years. I'm willing to fight like a crazy man to be out of this and fight two and a half years, but I'm not willing to run this thing in perpetuation like a rat in a wheel and get no traction. But all of yeah, a sudden, your burnout would turn to, I'm tired, but it's worth it because we're going to kick this thing's butt. It's fourth quarter, yeah, and I'm going to make one more run down the down the fourth quarter. I'm going to make one more run down the dadgum field, and I, even though I'm exhausted. Does that make any sense? Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I agree, and that that's a lot of my frustration is not knowing. I think. Yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah, not knowing will kill you. Yeah, because <laughs> here's the thing about not knowing is. What, what we're all drama queens. And when you don't know your drama queen in your head makes it worse than it really is. If you'll just tell people the bad news, it's not near as bad as they thought it was in their head. By the time they dream up what they think it is, it's like 10 times worse than it really is. And so it's like, Oh God, I didn't know. You know, by the time you get to this unknown, it, it just blows up. So yeah, you, you need to know what's going on or you're going to burn up and your dad's not going to have you as his right hand anymore. Cause you're not going to, the, the guy that called me a few minutes ago is not going to be on this job six months from now. If something doesn't change, you're going to hit a wall. You're not going to be able to do it, David. Your emotions are shot. Your gas tank's empty. I heard it in your throat. Am I wrong? No, sir. That okay. But I think, yeah, I think some hope, some hope by looking at the numbers and some flexibility and changing some of the process to get the, some extra traction, some hope from you and your dad locking arms will put some grease in the gears. And I, I got to tell you, man, I'll be talking to a completely different guy a week from now. That'll put gas in your tank because you, you, you're not afraid. You're not, you're not lacking in work ethic. You're not lacking in courage or the willingness to fight the dragon. You just can't see the son of a gun. <laughs> Am I wrong? No, that that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. It just, if, if, if I could do it for two years, you know, <laughs> if I knew that that's what we got to, like you're saying. Oh my God. If in two years you I were completely debt free and you put $5 million a year in your pocket after that, you dead gum right. You could do that unless yeah. you're brain damaged. Of course you can do that. <laughs> That's hope. That's mathematical hope. That's called success. You can do that. I can fight for that dragon, but two years and I'm still sitting right where I'm sitting. No, thank you. Who the crap wants that? Yeah. And a lot of it's just the riding the roller coaster up and down and one day is great, and then we'll have three not-so-good ones, and it just, by the end of the week, you want to just lay in bed. Yeah. <laughs> You're tapped out, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, but again, if you have two bad days, 
but you've got a plan that's going to make me free in two years, I can fight through the two bad days. Right. But I don't have two bad days followed by two bad days followed by, I think I got five more years of two bad days. And then I don't think we're going to be anywhere different than we are today. Oh, good God. No. Who wants to get out of bed? Nobody. That's the definition yeah, of how to be depressed. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. You're going <laughs> nuts. Your brain, your brain starts spinning out on you. Yeah. I don't blame you, man. So I, and I think truthfully, here's the thing. One of the things we see with leadership in America today, especially in small business, but it's really everywhere in leadership. We see it with pastors a lot too. The biggest thing leaders struggle with is isolation and loneliness. They don't have anybody to talk to about this. And your dad is that too. He doesn't have anybody to talk to about this. He's afraid to talk to you about this because he does not want to burden you. He wants to man up and carry this. Yeah, your dad's old school. Your dad's old school. Is he 70? Uh, no, he's uh, 55. Okay. But he's old school. He, he's not yeah. afraid to put on work gloves and turn a wrench. Oh, absolutely not. No, he's still to this day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so he, he's a tough guy. But they're also yeah. he's also by himself, dude. And you and him working together as a team would light him up and – and especially if you guys start getting some traction because you make some radical changes. I think I hear down inside of this, I can't tell on you because you don't know, but I, I see such a big high revenue number and such a pitiful debt pay down that there's something, two or three switches in here that could be flipped, and I think I hear a fairly quick turnaround if you two will make some radical decisions that might be emotionally painful to make, but I think there's there's no excuse for y'all not to be able to pay more on this debt. There's something weird going on in these numbers that I can't that I don't understand with what you're telling me. So, and you don't either because you don't know. But get alongside your dad. Isolation is not good. It does not lead to high quality leadership. Leaders need other people in their lives. Uh, that's one of the reasons in our Entree Leadership Elite, we put together groups of leaders uh, constantly in small groups. And we're, we, you know, we have get on calls with you, and you hold each other accountable, and you become lifelong friends. That's why we do that, because it's such a starved area of leadership. Isolation is one of the biggest problems we face uh, in, in, the, in the business world, but certainly in the small business world. Hey, man, you're a good guy. you got a good heart. That's why you care. And the reason and the fact that you care is what's leading to you having your tank so empty. But dude, you gotta get this tank filled back up and it's filled back up with hope. That's what fills it up. And the hope has to come from logical view of a light at the end of the tunnel that's not an oncoming train. Hey, by this time of year, you've set goals for your business, communicated them to your team, and are making them happen together. But while you're busy getting after it, don't forget the primary goal of every single one of your employees to get paid on time and in the right amount. Payroll, it isn't the most fun part of your business, but it's probably the most necessary. So skip the payroll stress and check out Payority. They're a comprehensive payroll company that does it all for you. Just send Payority some basic info and they handle everything else. Direct deposits, deductions, reimbursements, tax filings, forms, all the things. If your business has 1 to 100 employees, Payority is perfect for you. And if you need support, you talk to an actual human who cares about helping you, saving you time, increasing your profitability, and giving you some very necessary peace 
of mind. Plus, Payority makes switching payroll providers easy. Go to payority.com slash entree leadership today for a free consultation. That's payority.com slash entree leadership. Hey guys, it's a new year, which means you small business owners and leaders are gearing up to take on new challenges. And I don't care what stage of business you're in. If you're doing it alone, you're doing it wrong. We were just talking about that. You need people in your corner because owning and running a business might be the hardest thing you ever do. And I just said with that last caller that isolation is the biggest problem. You got to watch this. Elite is our digital membership that will equip you with a plan to accelerate you through the stages of business. You do not have to tackle every hard business decision on your own anymore. We'll use your elite membership to teach you how to hire the right people, delegate the right things, plus a ton of other leadership skills. Your elite membership also opens doors to connect with like-minded, here it is, business owners through an exclusive Facebook group and regular e-coaching sessions hosted by our Entree Leadership coaches. Man, when you are in the trees, you cannot see the forest. It's that simple, boys and girls. you got to get plugged into something like this, if not this. You can stop doing business alone, and Entree Leadership Elite is your way to do just that. Or go to EntreeLeadership.com slash Elite. Check it out. Well, folks, if you want to help us out, we would appreciate it. You need to subscribe to this or follow this or share this podcast, this YouTube uh, wherever you're consuming it, let people know it is here by sending them a share, sending them the link, whatever you do to do that kind of thing. It helps us a bunch. And leave us a nice five-star review telling us how wonderful we are. Honestly, I don't read them, but it does help the algorithm, and I would really appreciate the help leading the algorithm out. It's that simple. Evan is with us. Evan is in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hi, Evan. Welcome to the Entree Leadership Podcast. Hey, how's it going? Better than I deserve. What's up? Awesome. Um, so my wife and I own a coffee shop, uh, which right now it's a partnered LLC. And last year we had about 150 in gross. This year we're looking at about 200. Um, I also own a DJ business on the side that's gross about 25,000. And then she um, cuts hair on the side as a cosmetologist. And she last year brought in 50. This year's probably going to bring a little bit less because we just had a kid and she's pulling back a little bit. Um, we also have a bunch of side hustles that bring in a couple thousand each year. Um, all that to say, we're talking with our accountant, and he's saying we should move all of it to just one giant S-Corp. And I had like a million questions as soon as he said it. He feels very confident because of tax benefits. I feel like it's not going to be that big of a benefit. And I want to get your idea on as we're growing these businesses that are like side hustles turning into bigger uh, revenue for us what exactly we should do as far as structuring it. On the federal level, there's zero difference between an LLC and an S-Corp. Mm-hmm. Uh, North Carolina tax might, income tax might be different. In That's Tennessee, in Tennessee we ended up with a benefit of it being only LLCs. Um, the, uh, the, the, the holding body of Ramsey was an S-Corp, and I moved it to an LLC because of Tennessee law. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the, there was a nuance in the law on what we were being charged on F and E, but uh, but income tax with the with the feds with the IRS isn't any different. They're both standalone entities. You can write both. You can write your payroll tax off on either side. Either way, uh, it's all the same. It comes out the same. I don't know what tax benefit he's talking about. 
Uh, gotcha. So he was more talking about the income tax, like you were saying. I'm more concerned with, do we put all of our businesses and all of our revenue under one business entity? Um, like my DJ business would also be under the same S corp as, or the same LLC or whatever as, um, our coffee shop. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you can, from a branding perspective, you can still keep them separate if you had one holding company that was the technical owner. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the reason I do different LLCs on some things is from a risk management perspective. So if, um, if I have an LLC, like for instance, in real estate, when I get more than $5 million of real estate in one LLC, I open another one. Because if some duper falls off the front porch, breaks his face after he was drunk, but I, but my LLC owns the house, he decides to sue me and the judge is an idiot and decides to award him a lot of money. The most he can get is that LLC's assets, not my other stuff. So keeping the size of the target on your butt small enough is risk management. And that's why I don't want more than one thing in an LLC. So if you had one of these entities that was a high likelihood of a lawsuit, I might split it off. But coffee shops and DJing shouldn't be, and haircutting shouldn't be lawsuits. No, definitely not. I guess I'm thinking more like, I mean, if I'm going to get insurance for um, my DJ business, they want to know all my business information. And they want to know what type of business is it. But if I give them that S corp or whatever it's going to be, um, how do I, I mean, I, I, it just doesn't seem simple enough to label it. Yeah. I mean, it just be, um, almost as like a DBA doing business as, okay. okay. So, um, this is, um, uh, Evans LLC. That's the holding company. And mm-hmm. in the case of the DJ doing business as Evans DJ business name. Gotcha. Right. And so it can be different things like that. So for instance, the company that owns, that, that owns Ramsey is called the Lampo group DBA doing business as Ramsey solutions. Gotcha. Ramsey okay. solutions is not actually the legal entity. So that, that's what I thought kind of what we were thinking of from the beginning when we first formed our LLC was we'll just have DBAs under it. Um, and then this guy's talking about now nah, switch it all to an S corp and just throw it all under that. So I guess it doesn't. Well, this matter. guy's not a brand. This guy knows knows nothing about branding or marketing. So no, you need the DBAs. You need the DBA names out there because that's what you're known for in these different right. areas. And but that doesn't right. cost anything, and it doesn't it doesn't change the tax mix at all. You can have DBAs under an LLC or under an S corp. Okay? okay, so he, he's not. He's not in a position of knowledge to advise you on those things. You know more about that stuff than he does. But the only thing he's in a position to advise you on is taxes. And I I want you to get a second opinion on that because I have not found what he's talking about to be true. Right. From a federal standpoint, an S-Corp versus an LLC, there's not spit difference. Um, and, And, you know, check that with somebody else. I'm not a tax expert, but... I do own a whole bunch of these dadgum things, and right. <laughs> my stupid tax return looks like a phone book. Um, but anyway, but it's uh, but that's you know that, that that's the thing. So I I don't we quit doing sub S's. We only do LLCs. 
but again, okay. some of that had to do with Tennessee and our particular location where we're domiciled. Uh, in a, the nuanced tax law, we don't have an income tax in Tennessee, but we do have an F and E tax and a personal property tax and some other things. And so we have to be wise about putting a huge asset base in an S corp. It gets us in all kinds of crap with the state here, so extra right. taxes that we don't have to have. So, but an LLC is not treated that way. So I'm, I'm just out of the S corp business. I'm in the LLC business. Uh, for but that's not having anything to do with the IRS. So I think this guy might be over analyzing this. Number one, you you could do you need to do two things to check out his story. One is he needs to give you exact math and exactly where the S corp is going to save you money over an LLC and show you an exact example in your case. In your case, Evan, if you do it this way, you're going to get this number. If you do it this way, you're going to get this number. And you need to understand that math from him. And you may find if there is a little bit of difference, it's probably not worth screwing with. Um, It's definitely not worth all the trouble we're talking about here. Uh, And and then the second thing I would tell you to do, if I'm in your shoes, I'm going to do it, is I'm going to go get another opinion. And I'm going to get someone else to explain it to me. So check one of our tax pros at RamseySolutions.com that are Ramsey Trusted. Sit down with one of them. Most of them do small business bookkeeping and ask him in your area, why is my guy telling me to do an S instead of an LLC? Why is he telling me to roll it up under there? You can roll it all up under the LLC, and I think, I think, and have within spitting distance of the same exact numbers. There may be one little number in there, but it's, it's not going to matter much, especially in a business your size. So you're asking the right kinds of questions. Um, by the way, this just, you know, as a soapbox issue for all of you out there, when you have professionals in your life, their job, whether they're estate planners, CPAs working with you, doing stuff like Evan's got here, uh, real estate people, insurance people, whatever, they are not allowed. If you're an entree leader to say, do it because I said, so you're not my mama. Okay, do it because I said so doesn't play. I'm like a grown man and stuff. So you have to tell me why and show me the detail why you have to teach me why you're telling me this is good for me. And then I will make the decision. Because I said so is an arrogant twerp. You get fired if you're advising me. I don't put up with advisors that do because I said so. You need to have the heart of a teacher and say, Dave, this is why we're making this move. we got to move this into a trust in your estate plan because it's going to save you $20 million. Well, it's not going to save you $20 million. You're going to be dead. It's going to save Sharon $20 million. And so we're going to make that move. And I'm like, okay, show me how that works. Okay. Well, by God, what are we waiting on? Let's get that thing done by nightfall. You know? And But I want to understand. That's your job. Not my estate planner told me. I had a guy the other day I was with. He said, my financial guy said I couldn't buy a car. And I'm like, what? Is he your mother? How does your financial guy decide if you're going to buy a car? That's ridiculous. You know, you, you can't manage your own emotions. You can't make a judgment call as a grown man as to whether you have the money to buy a car. Your financial guy has to tell you. Oh, my God. You, what you're saying is you don't have enough personal self-discipline to make a decision on your own about the wisdom of purchasing something the size of a car. That's ridiculous. Evan, that's not you, okay? You're asking the right questions, 
But my point is your CPA didn't do a very good job of teaching because you and I don't know what he's talking about because <laughs> you don't know what he's talking about. And I'm not positive either. He may know something I don't know. I doubt it, but he might. So the, what you're looking for always, folks, when you're employing an outside expert to advise you on uh, technology, on finance, on legal matters, your lawyer. My lawyer said, well, I don't give a crap what your lawyer said. What, do you take a class on arrogance? No, I'm not, I don't care what you say. That, is that in law school? I mean, you work for me. I'm paying your bill. So you're going to tell me why we're doing this or we're not doing it. I can make a decision differently in a heartbeat, like get a different lawyer. I can done that before. So, yeah, you, they, their job is to be have the heart of a teacher and to advise us. That's the process. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. We just got back from Summit 2024 in Dallas, and it was absolutely incredible, y'all. If you missed it, you don't want to miss the next one. Me and a few thousand small business leaders are going to Denver next May to hear from John Maxwell, Pat Lincioni, Dr. John Deloney, and many, many more. Plus, for the first time ever, we're doing reserved seating. The sooner you lock in your tickets, the better your seats will be. But hundreds of tickets are already gone. So don't wait. Go to entreleadership.com slash summit to reserve your seats today. Joe is with us in Canada. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the Entree Leadership Podcast. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Dave. And thanks for taking my call. Uh, let me tell you a little bit of our business. So um, we have a seven-day automotive uh, we, automotive service center. So mm -hmm. we do uh, service on imports and domestic and tires as well. Cool. So uh, this uh, last year we did um, 1.4 million in revenue uh, with gross profits of 960,000 on there. What was your and, net profit? Uh, the net profit was uh, 165,000. That's after I paid myself 100,000. Okay. What's it? So, what would if you weren't there? What would we have to pay a manager to run a seven bay? Uh, you're looking at probably eighty to a hundred thousand. Okay, so the okay, one sixty five so. is probably pretty realistic. If I bought it and and I live in Tennessee, so I've got to have somebody right. run it. Right, and so you'd be looking at net profiting one hundred sixty five. Mind you, this year, Dave, uh, we're projected to do one point six. Uh, five million. Oh, okay. With the gross profit, with gross profits of uh, over a million dollars. So yeah, okay. So uh, two so hundred grand our, anyway is your net. Yeah, yeah, right. So we're not doing uh, the EB dots. We're talking just net profit. Yeah, that's so, all I'm looking uh, at. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm we're looking at uh, my wife and I semi-retiring in about a year's time. So usually for these transactions that take place, they take six months to a year. So we're trying to get ready and we want to make sure the market uh, evaluation, what we have is going to be fair out there. And um, so we're looking and talking to the, our financial advisor, the accountant, a lawyer, and those that have been in our industry. And the other thing I should point out, Dave, is that this is a franchise operation. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's not Joe, Joe's garage. So, so the, um, the franchise or has to approve the transaction. Yeah. And they've never turned that down. So they have the right to match, but not undercut me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So, so what do you think the valuation is? 
So mine, and so it's a two-part on here. When you, I'm looking at 1.2 million here, now that you think it's worth also, 1.2 million? Yes. So that's six times that. Yes, because we've had in the franchise like uh, some of these get close to eight times before. Wow. Okay. So there's been a few transactions on that. From now, your perspective, that's I, phenomenal. Yeah. Okay. And and. And to be fair, Dave, I don't know what their uh, what their net profits were. So eight times, you know, a smaller number is not going to be as big as what we're looking at. So um, and with the franchise agreement, it's it's agreed upon that you have to carry at least seventy five thousand dollars worth of inventory. And for us, that's easy when we're talking just motor oil and uh, even just a hundred sets of tires that can reach up to that seventy five thousand. Mm-hmm. So we have to have that. And then my equipment, you know, we have seven hoists on there. We got an alignment rack that usually goes for about a hundred or sorry, forty thousand dollars up here in Canada. So that's not in addition so, to your price, dude. You know that. Uh, okay. Well, see, that's what I want to figure because if you're, is that something no, that, that that's, you have to? There's two ways. There's three ways to va- put value on a small business. There, there's book value which is what yep. you're messing with now. Book value is if you turn the key and close it, collect right. all the receivables, collect all the receivables, pay all the payables, sell off the racks, sell off the inventory. What's the inventory, okay. the racks, the equipment, the tools worth? What's all that worth? And that's your book value. That's the smallest possible number that a business is worth. It's worth at yeah. least that. That's the floor. Okay. Okay. Then yep. some businesses like yours, where there's more of a, a, a standard in the industry, they'll go some multiple of gross. Okay. Okay. Like, uh, or, or multiple of cash flow or a multiple of EBITDA or something like that. Uh, right. But, but that is, you know, th- that's not used that often in small business unless you got something like you've got where you've got a track record with other franchisees running a very, very similar operation. And we've done this 28 times in the past uh, 30 years, and we generally get, you know, one and a half times gross or whatever. That's another way. That's a less popular method. The most accurate method of putting a proper price is to say, I want a percentage rate of return on my money if I'm the buyer. I want an ROI. And that's called a cap rate method, a capitalization method. And I cap businesses, small businesses generally. Uh, I'm willing to accept your numbers, but generally I I cap them, cap rate them at 20 to 25%. If I'm going to buy a small business, it's a high risk endeavor. So I want a 25% annual rate of return on my money, which would be four times your net profit, be 800K. Okay. If, If I want five times, net profit, that's a 20% rate of return on my money. That puts you at a million dollars. You want a million okay. two, and so that's about an 18% rate of return. That's still acceptable because you've got a very uh, templated templated situation with the other franchisees, and so I will accept that in your case. If you were Joe's okay. standalone garage, I probably wouldn't do that. Absolutely, I agree. So I think your million two is reasonable. Okay. But you don't get to do a million two plus the equipment. Okay, fair enough. The equipment is what produces the million two. Okay, I respect that. Yeah. Okay. So 
then the other part on here is um, I have one of my employees that's really interested in and um, I'm carrying him under my wing and teaching him all kinds of stuff. But the biggest thing here, Dave, is he doesn't have $1.2 million. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and talking to my wife and, and the lawyer and the accountant, uh, they were saying you, it would be prudent at least to put it out on the marketplace and see what you can get. And one of the things that uh, came across as well is um, uh, a few of the transactions that have been happening lately and the lawyers been bringing the, this to my attention is that there's a lot of immigrants that want to come over to Canada and they're willing to you know, pay more for an established business so that they get, get their families over because they get a little quicker to get into the country if they're purchasing a business. So that's where, you know, you're saying it's not unrealistic that you may even possibly get 1.8. So, but we should put that out on the marketplace before offering it to, um, you know, my employee and then, and go from there. So what are your thoughts on that? That's a, a value decision you need to make. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do not know. Um, I don't have any personal experience that tells me that you're, what your lawyer is saying is valid or invalid. That may yeah. be the case. I don't know enough about Canadian immigration. I don't know enough about your marketplace to have a gut feel for if he's blowing smoke or not. That feels opportunistic, but I'm not above being opportunistic. You've worked your butt off for a lot of years. You've earned it. Mm-hmm. You've earned to getting as much as you can get for yeah. your business. You've not done anything morally or ethically wrong uh, unless somehow you're screwing over your community by doing this. And I don't think you are yeah. with what you've described. But I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, but I mean, I don't know why your employee couldn't pay the same amount if you worked out something with them. So yeah. you just got to decide okay. if you want to try that first. And if you don't, if you want to do something with the employee, you could say, look, I can put this on the market for a million eight and try this, or you and I can agree on a million four. Okay. All right. Now, here's a way if you feel, but you got to be very comfortable with the employee's ability to operate the business. Uh, it could be that what's your employee make now? What's uh, 65000 Okay. So if he did and not it, pay himself the hundred that you're paying yourself, there would be three hundred thousand dollars profit. Am I correct? That would be correct. If he agreed to say, "I'm going to give you ninety um, percent or a hundred percent of profits after I pay myself sixty-five thousand, which I currently make, until we get to a million four or whatever." Or three hundred thousand would be three years. You'd have your million two, right? Did I do that right? That's four years. Four years. Four years. You'd have a million years. two. Yeah, three years would be nine nine hundred. Million two would be four years. Five years would be a million five. Uh, uh, a million five. Yeah. But what you're saying there, that's like me financing him for zero. You are dollars. financing him. Yeah, you would get a hundred percent of the profits. If profits go up. You'll get your money faster. If profits go down, you'll get your money slower. So on the seller's perspective, how does that make sense or benefit? Wouldn't I be better off? You'd be better off taking uh, money and run. You'd be better off taking money and run. Yeah. Yeah. 
So we got to look at that and see if that's a, an option, right? Because yeah. that would always have to be a, like a plan B kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it oh. is a way to sell it without him having debt that he can't handle, though. Because if yeah. his profits go down, he doesn't go out of business on you. You well, just see, get less it, until he gets profits up. That's why I said yeah. early in this process, you've got to be very comfortable with him being able to grow it past where you've grown it. Yeah, and what I was uh, thinking and what we've talked about too, right, was we're look, my wife and I are looking at semi-retiring. So I can't, it's not in my DNA to stop working. So uh, with this, uh, he'd be planning to keep me on and I would just charge him a, an hourly rate and mostly stay around through our peak uh, seasons. And when it's slower, that's where my wife and I would take off leave the country and then come back during the busy time when they really need me. Right. So yeah. that'll keep it going and it keeps the, um, uh, it, you know, the people that are coming in still comfortable seeing similar yeah, I faces. I don't think that's going to happen with the immigrant opportunist deal. No. Well, yeah, you're probably right on. That. I don't think you're going to want to be there. I don't think you're going to want to be there. No, if they're paying everything up front, you're gone. Uh, really, gone. They'll, yeah, they'll they'll probably keep me on for about six months for a transition period, if anything, and then if anything, gone. Yeah, but if it's the employee, it'd probably be in their best interest to keep me on uh, for a longer period and do that. So yeah, yeah. Well, the, the so advantage of that is you get to make sure the operation's going well, and, and yeah. continue to mentor him on growing it. Right, which ensures right. you get your money if you've if you're carrying back. But you would be clear in four years or so. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, that's not bad. Well, well I know, but I, I I'm probably better off just running it myself, right, and just keeping him as an employee, and then kind of give him like uh, some options and saying, okay, we're going to keep X amount of dollars aside for you. And I'll still keep running until he's saved enough, and and then he's putting sweat ec equity in there, knowing that he's putting money aside on there. So, yeah, but you're still working every day. No, uh, you know I can that. build a yeah. I'll build a team, uh, you know, where I can only be there during the busy time, yeah. and then take off, and that's where I can give him the extra bonus. These are all hey, these hey. are all ideas that you can work through, and in, in any yeah. any version of those. What I would not do is ask him to go down and borrow a million two from the bank. Yeah, I mean, I think I, you, I think you'll go I, out of business. Yeah, that's that's tough. Yeah. It, it's tough. I will, if you he know, called me, with, I would recommend him not buy it if that's how he was going to do it. Yeah, like I mean, uh, the other thing is our business is ninety eight percent COD, so that cash flow is great. There's no uh, accounts receivables. It's very minimal. Yeah, until there's well, a pandemic. Well, we went through that, right? I know. It, it, yeah, we went through that and we survived because I know uh, you survived, had, but you're not making survived. payments on a million two either. No, no, granted, but you know what? We kept the lights open. We, you know, we did what we not had my point, to do. Joe. My it, point is the yeah. unknown variable in the marketplace will take him out if he has a fixed payment. That's what I'm trying to avoid, and that's that. That's the thing. COD doesn't solve that. COD just means you've got instant cash. You're, when you turn it around, you turn it around fast, but when it goes down, it goes down fast. That's all COD means. It doesn't solve the fact that guy's deeply in debt. So, you, you know, that doesn't – I'm not going to recommend he do that. Um, and I wouldn't recommend you do it to somebody you love either. 
So, but you got some options. You can take the cash on the barrel head if your lawyer's got a, somebody out there, uh, uh, you know, wanting to overpay for stuff for other reasons. I, nothing wrong with that. If you want to do that, that's fine. Um, and we certainly had a bunch of people from California move to Tennessee and do that. They overpaid for a bunch of real estate, and a bunch of us stood around and watched them do it. And, um, you know, because they were hell bent on getting out of California. And we saw that all a lot in the past 36 months, still seeing some of it. But overpaying is not a, not necessarily unique to that, that situation. Somebody wanting to enter a marketplace is willing to do things that other people aren't. So that's something you can look at, but also you can look at the other direction. So you've got some ideas to work through, and uh, at least we got some clarity on a couple of the points and moved, moved along through the process. Way to go, Joe. You're running a great business. Very, very proud of you. Good, good work. Well done. Folks, remember, better a weary warrior than a quivering critic. This world needs more high-quality leaders. Take courage and lead. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host. Thanks for listening to the Entree Leadership Podcast.